Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Yeah, it's been a while. Bob Papa, two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. A little dust settling here. And uh, Carl, the last time you and I reconvened, um, we were doing a post-mortem on the season and what was yeah. next for the Giants. And then Giants head coach Joe Judge got fired. Um, so complete sweep. And now the Giants have a new ma- general manager in Joe Shane from the Buffalo Bills, who comes very highly recommended in a lot of NFL circles. I don't know him personally. I don't know if you know him personally, um, but I'm excited to see this new chapter of Giants football. I am too. And I, I am so happy that um, they have someone who has, who's, who's learned football at every stage of it. You know, this is a guy that started out in a ticket office and just worked his way up. <laughs> Uh, he's got great Parcel stories to tell. Uh, he was Brandon Bean's right hand. And, you know, when it comes to performing an autopsy and you just look at what Buffalo has done in the four years that Brandon Bean was there and he's been, I, I'm, I'm going to, and we'll have someone to talk about this, but I'm going to assume that being that, in that proximity to Brandon Bean, and you listen to Brandon Bean talk about the collaboration that he has had a formative influence on Joe Shane's uh, process. Let's just say that. Yeah, and now he's got to put together his, he's got to find a head coach. He's got to put together his staff, just like he was a key component to the Buffalo Bills process. He's going to have to create his own team. A lot of work to do. So let's um let's welcome in a guest that you um you're excited to have on the program here. Uh, he's been covering the Buffalo Bills for a long time. Uh, you can follow him at on Twitter at WUFO Sports. Mookie Hawkins joins us here on Believe in Giants podcast with Bob Pop and Carl Banks, and uh, we're gonna get Mookie up in just a second, and we're gonna be fired up and ready to go. Uh, yeah. I just got a, I just got an email. The Giants have also interviewed Leslie Frazier for their head coaching job. Okay. So he killed two birds with one stone. He's already in Buffalo. And yeah, came back. So he's taking care of business. So there's yeah. there he is, Mookie Hawkins. He's been covering the NFL and the Buffalo Bills for a long time. Mookie Bob Papa, Carl Banks, uh, welcome to Believe in Giants, uh, our little fun podcast here. Um Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about what the Giants are getting in Joe Shane. Uh, first of all, good morning, gentlemen. And um, what the Giants are getting in Joe saying, actually, you're getting Brandon Bean's Tommy Bellotti. All right. You're, you're getting the underboss. You're getting the guy who has the blueprint that know how to, um, you know, change the shape of organizations and you know it, it, it stretches all the way back to you know when Joe Shane was the director of player personnel and a scout for the Miami Dolphins but um, you know th- with the way they were able to reshape this Bills organization in such a short period of time which is basically unheard of 
Um, you know, they did it with great drafting and they did it with great development of players uh, and having a key eye uh, um, for, you know, bringing in the right free agents, uh, guys such as uh, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Cole Beasley, Mitch Morris, and obviously Stefan Diggs. So, um, you know, just a phenomenal job by Joe Shane and Giants fans. You should be very excited about this hire. Mookie, one of the things that I noticed and, and we touched on a little bit uh, last night is that. The Buffalo Bills have in the in in Brandon Veen's four years, every draft choice is still on the roster. I mean, maybe with the exception of maybe two. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that the Giants have never been able to do is retain their own players. And so <clears throat> that whole methodology in terms of building, we, we you know, we always talk about culture so much, right? Mm-hmm. And I played in an era where there wasn't a lot of transition, so you could have a stable culture. But Mm -hmm. one way to create a culture is like, if you like a guy and you draft a guy, it would make sense Mm -hmm. to be able to keep him. But the Giants have been in salary cap hell for a very long time, (laughs) and they missed on some guys. But just the fact that that's a philosophy of, we're gonna keep our, we're gonna try to get our guys uh, re-signed. Talk a little bit about what that has done in terms of helping McDermott get, you talk about turning the thing around. He got it up and running pretty quick. Yeah. And you know, that's the plan, man. The plan is basically to get rid of that cap, that cap, cap space and, you know, gain capital draft and and basically find a a franchise quarterback and giants definitely have some of those pieces already intact. We just have to figure out, you know, is it to be in this up and coming year? But at one point, the Buffalo Bills had over 70 million in debt cap space in 2018. And that's the only season the Bills didn't go to the playoffs. They finished six and 10, um, you know, with that regard. But, you know, they were able to reset that that cap space in 2020 uh, up to 82 million. Okay, well, which would which enabled them to sign, you know, their draft picks and extend those very free agents that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. Joe is going to come in and patiently build this Giants organization his way because this is the same recipe that worked for the Bills organization. What is going to be the key for Joe Shane? Uh, because um, Brandon Bean talked about, you know, the team and working collaboratively. Um, he's going to have to build his own team. And he's not going to be able to take all the guys from Buffalo with him. Uh, what is the what is the most important thing for Joe Shane as far as building his inner circle? Well, I mean, learning from Brandon, Brandon Bean and, you know, the rest of the, the Bills organization and staff, he's going to take those same, you know, things. That it's, it's like it's kind of like you having a big brother, right? You always learn from your big brother. You always learn from the do's and don'ts to say, OK, this was a mistake that, you know, Brandon made. I'm not going to make that same mistake going to you know the Giants in retrospect, so he's going to find those type of guys, and I'm quite sure he, he he can identify who those guys are already. And you know they're going to go in with those same philosophies that worked in Buffalo, and they're going to stick to those same philosophies. And you know you're going to see some things. Giants fans just have to be patient. You know it's not you know Rome wasn't built in a day, but <laughs> you know he's going to come in you know with some great philosophies and some great um, structure, and you know pretty much change that culture to the point where. Giants fans are going to love the result at the end. Okay, so you've got, he's got to pick coaches, right? And Mm -hmm. again, here in New York, we don't know what we don't know about Joe Shane. Uh, We're kind of living vicariously through 
Brandon Bean because he was in close proximity and they talk about the collaboration, but he's got coaches and he's got to pick coaches. And one thing that I, I got from the presser a post draft, I went all the way back to last year's draft and listened to Brandon Bean talk about how they acquired players and how he talked to uh, Coach McDermott. He talked to uh, Dable. He talked to Frazier. And he wanted to get players that fit into their system. And he talked about a lot of things he liked, but he says, I had to talk with my coaches to make sure that we got the right players. And he talked about cornerbacks. Leslie likes corners who tackle. He said, you can find a lot of cover guys, but they wanted guys that could, they had a priority on cornerbacks who could tackle. And then he talked about, uh, Brian Dable and how he wanted to build his offensive line. Not every offensive lineman is built the same. So it is particular to what those teams, I mean, what those coaches want more so than saying, well, this, this offensive tackle is great. And if, if uh, Brian Dable says, well, he can't set the way we, he don't have the feet that we want him to. He could be a great lineman. Will that be some of the collaboration that we can expect from Joe Shane? Oh, yes, it's definitely going to be a collaborative effort. When you look at the chemistry uh, that Coach McDermott and Brandon Bean had all the way back from Carolina, you know, basically he was handpicked by McDermott because obviously the trust is there. He know that Brandon Bean identifies the type of players that he likes and knows what's comfortable within that scheme that the Bills run. You know, the same thing that they did out in Carolina. So that type of, you know, chemistry, that type of continuity, makes it easier from a front office standpoint to trust uh, those guys to go out there and get bringing that necessary talent that the coaches covered. And, you know, when you look at it, uh, drafting guys like Trey White was his, uh, McDermott's very first pick in 2017. Uh, you look at drafting Deion Dawkins, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, you know, Matt Milano, Ed Oliver, Dawson Knox. Okay. You bring in free agents, like, uh, like I said before, Poyer, Hyde, Beasley, you know, those guys you put around your quarterback, seasoned veteran guys that's going to help your quarterback grow and make plays for and build his confidence. Uh, so, you know, it's a it's a it's a collaborative effort and he's not going to be, oh, I'm the general manager. Uh, I like this guy. You deal with it. They're not those type of guys. You know, they're football guys and they understand what the coaches want and they're going to bring those guys in uh, that fit their scheme. You know, it, it makes the process just more easier. You know, what I mean, so it's not going to be a struggle between front office and coaching staff. And I think that's, and that's just so key to the build success, you know, thus far. Listen, um, they've already interviewed Brian Dable and Leslie Frazier, right? They're, they're, <laughs> they got a couple of interviews out of the way, right out of the gate. Formality. That was a formality, right? Yeah. I, I think they really had the interview kind of like two weeks ago. It was just probably like a, you know, a two second phone call. Like, Hey, 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 yeah, Brian, you there? Uh, yeah. This is Joe. How you doing? Yeah. Hey. Tell the kids I say hello and then I ain't go. <laughs> do you do you think that Brian Dable's the guy that he wants to bring to the Giants? Because Brian Dable's gonna get a job. Uh yeah, whether I, it's I I, I I believe so. I, I believe so. I mean the bond between those two are there. It, you go it goes all the way back to when Dable was an offensive coordinator in, in Miami, where Shane was a, a scout and director of player personnel. So the familiarity is already there between the two. And I think for Dable, it's more of a better fit for him because he's a New York guy. He's born and, you know, he's born and raised right here 
at St. Francis High School. So how ironic is that you get an opportunity to coach a team that you pretty much was admiring as a, as, as, as a high schooler when the Bills were going to Super Bowls back in the early 90s. You were at a high school right around the corner, you know what I mean, just living a dream. So it's a perfect fit. He doesn't really have to try to move his family too quick, you know, so I think it's more or less stable. And what he's done with Josh Allen, you know, is something that the Giants are looking for in reference to their young quarterback in Daniel Jones. Is he that franchise quarterback? You know, before we think about extending him or exercising options or what of that nature, the pieces in are in place for Dable to come in and, you know, pretty much do what he did here with Josh Allen. So um, I think Dable obviously is pretty much a unanimous choice. I don't think that uh, Joe Shane is going to bring somebody outside of that culture because uh, it's just going to be a struggle. You know what I mean? The familiarity is already there, even with Coach Frazier, you know, um, but it depends on what they're looking for. And I more so think that, you know, the Giants need offensive help. They need help in both ways, but they desperately need some points scored, obviously, or what yeah. the Giants went through offensively last yeah, they, year. They need structure, Mookie. They have, they, there was no structure to this offense whatsoever. Uh, and it it never entered the, the 21st century. This offense is, I don't think it would have uh, been successful uh, in the 80s. So let me ask this question. And, and we're going to play a little make-believe now. Because if if Debo is where, where you think Joe's going to look. And there are some decisions that got to be made on the quarterback. We know that the draft is not ripe with uh, quarterback talent this year. So Daniel Jones does not lack talent. I think he lacks consistency. But one thing that will bring out the best in the player, you'll know whether you got one or not, is competition. Competition that will, not, not somebody that's competing to be a backup, right? If you need to find out about a guy, right? Mm -hmm then you put somebody in there who can compete with him. Do you have anybody that you can think of that could do that if if, if uh, Dave Bowles coach? Oh, without a doubt. And that's the thing about the Buffalo Bills. They built this roster based upon just those very words you said, competition. You know, uh, and, and one thing I could say about how the Bills draft, they do an excellent job of what I like to call the meat and potato rounds, those third, fourth, and fifth rounds. Guys who can come in and make an immediate impact, maybe push a starter for his position, you know, and, you know, build quality depth along the way, you know what I mean, while that guy is pursuing, taking that spot somewhere down the line. You know so is mean? there but, a free agent out there that could push Daniel Jones? Or is there oh, anybody you know, that... Obviously, we, we, de we definitely know there's a guy out there. And if Dable is pretty much the offensive or the head coach, then look for Mitch Trubisky to go along with him to be that insurance policy, just in case things don't work out too well with Daniel Jones in reference to him picking up the scheme. Trubisky is a guy, once again, who's familiar with, you know, Coach Dable's scheme. He knows what he's looking for. And, you know, he's a seasoned guy too, a former first round pick, you know, that really didn't, wasn't properly developed, you know. So here it is. He can bring that guy in, someone that's going to push Daniel Jones to be get it, to be good, but help he's him. He's going to push well. to be, he'll push to be the starter. Yeah. He's gonna push Not just to, to push starter. Daniel to be good, but push to be the starter, right? Yes, he's definitely going to push him to be starting. Uh, Trubisky is not coming in to be a backup. I mean, he did that for one year here in Buffalo. 
but he's not coming in to be a backup. He's definitely going to come in and push Daniel Jones. And we're going to see what, you know, Daniel Jones, I mean, uh, Daniel Jones is definitely made of, but he has the tools. He has mm-hmm. the tools. I mean, he, he's mobile with his legs. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of accurate with his arm. So he's definitely going to bring Mitch Trubisky in. If that's the case, if he's the head coach, I, I would say that Mitch Trubisky would definitely be uh, that guy. Another guy that, you know, I know that, you know, Brandon Bean said that, you know, all the coaches is intact and they're not going to, you know, uh, take guys from that. Um, I would say a guy by the name of Shane Turney, who's the assistant quarterbacks coach, uh, who has familiarity with Dable back at Alabama. I think that, you know, maybe he can probably be that offensive coordinator for Brian Dable, another guy that's familiar with the scheme, another guy who's dealt with Josh Allen hands-on. And, you know, so that would be a name that could be a potential offensive coordinator if Dable were to be the head coach for the New York Giants. And then what you if look it at Dable. What if, you, what if it isn't Dable? What if it's Leslie Frazier? <laughs> you know, if it's Leslie Frazier, then, hey, you got a guy in here that's, you know, basically coming in with the number one defense in the NFL, um, you know, it, you, you got great guys on that back end as far as secondary. You look at the Giants draft, they drafted a lot of, you know, uh, good secondary guys. You got my godson, which is Darnay Holmes on the team, uh, you know, so that's a, that's a good cock piece right there to begin with and, and go, to go along with the other guys on the back end. You know, they depend a lot on their front four to get pressure. So, you know, that would probably be a point of emphasis if Leslie Frazier was, uh, you know, become the head coach because they allow on those four-man pressures. And like, like uh, Kyle said, they like guys that can tackle, you know, guys that can cover and guys that can tackle, um, get you off the field on thirds down. Like just say, for instance, it's a third and 12 situation. They're going to force you to throw that ball underneath. And those guys are going to rally to the ball and make the tackle and get your offense off the field. So, um, I mean, it's a two-edged sword, but I kind of like this two-edged sword. You know, it's a great poison to pick, you know? <laughs> well, Mookie, I appreciate you jumping on, man. This has been very insightful. Again, you know, we've heard a lot of things and everybody just kind of guesses around it. And you've been a part of the uh, the Buffalo fabric uh, and, and, and understand this team better than anybody. And has spent a lot of time with players and have great relationships with the coaches. So we really appreciate you jumping in and just can't, you know, we can only live vicariously through Brandon Bean and those who are close to him that know the thinking of, of this Buffalo bill success. And this is, this is a reclamation project. This is not one that's gonna, you're going to have a lot of years to do it. You may not even have a gap year this year. So he's got to look at this roster See what he wants to keep and build around it uh, because, you know, it's it's not going to be another two-year, three-year cycle. It's got to be let's hit the ground running. How do we do that and then build from there? So picking the right coach, uh, they've got the right guy, a general manager, and, you know, we're all excited here, and this has been really insightful. Right, man. Hey, the recipe, drafting and developing your guys, and the Bills have done a good job of developing those guys and drafting guys in the meat and potato rounds, such as Tyler Bass, Gabriel Davis, Wyatt Teller, all right, was drafted Mm -hmm. by the Bills in the fifth round, who they traded as draft capital, look at Wyatt Teller now, he's one of the top linemen in the league, Matt Milano, you know, look at how he's playing, fifth round draft pick, Dawson Knox, uh, he leads, he leads all tight ends with touchdowns right now, he was what, Mm -hmm. a third, fourth round pick, Levi Wallace, who's been opposite of Tredavious White for the past four years, who was an undrafted 
free agent. So those guys do a phenomenal job of identifying what works for their scheme and having a key eye for the talent to bring in to make that system work. So Joe will come in and he will patiently build this Giants organization, you know, his way. Because once mm -hmm. again, it's the, it's the same recipe that worked in Buffalo, man. So just have some patience, trust the process part two. And, yeah. you know, hopefully we can look for some great things coming out of New York with, you know, what, what Joe Shane is about to bring in. Awesome. Mookie, where, uh, where can Giants fans who are not as familiar with your work, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. Um, I am Waffle Sports, and that's W-U-F-O Sports on Twitter. You can also find me on Instagram at Waffle1080Mookie. That's M-U-K-I. And obviously, you know, on Facebook, Mookie Hawkins. Appreciate it, Mookie. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mookie. Thank you, for, thank you guys for having me. See you soon. And Steve said hello. Hey, my man Steve, man. Tell him, man, hey, tell him to give me a buzz. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. All right, Carl. Well, it was a good it was a good conversation there with Mookie and a uh, good call on your part to get him on the show. We got a lot of insight. Do you, do you sense or do you think that no matter who the Giants interview that they're going to go in that direction? Joe Shane's going to go in that direction? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that can be the case uh, because keep in mind, Buffalo can always make an offer that uh, Brian Dable can't refuse. You know, they can, you know, there have been a lot of, a lot of hot candidates that decided, oh, you know, I like it here. I grew up here and boy, they just made me a big fat offer and I'm assistant head coach and I'm making a lot of money. So <clears throat> sometimes you never know, you never know. Um, I'm sure when you talk about, you know, coaches, uh, general managers, especially when they're new at it, they like to bring a few guys in that they have familiarity with. And um, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of success uh, that Brian Dable has that they've had together. Uh, but I, I don't think it's a lock, but it wouldn't shock me. And I wouldn't be disappointed if he were the Giants head coach. You know, he's got good pedigree. Um, there's a lot of people that I respect that are big fans of him uh, and what he does offensively. I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. They're going to go through the whole interview process. There's sure. plenty of well, quality sure. candidates out there. Yeah, those two guys, like uh, Mookie said, those two guys have probably been talking about the what-if scenario for a while. Right. You know, in those some of their, their meetings or their, their beers together amongst the boys. Um, right. I, I, I like the fact that um, the process that I, I truly believe have, have been influenced in the bills he will apply in his evaluation of talent and acquisition of talent for the Giants. I do like that. I do want to know who the coach is. Um, that needs to probably be done in another week or so, huh? I would think so. Now, let's face it. If, uh, you know, he's interested in seriously interested in bringing in one of the coordinators from Buffalo, I mean, they could win. They could win this week and they could be in the conference championship game next week. Yeah. So, I mean, they could get to the Super Bowl and you wouldn't have access to him for weeks. Well, they had the first interview already, so you do get another one prior to the Super Bowl. If right. they didn't get this one, they wouldn't have it until after the Super Bowl. So, 
Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, if you know that that's the guy you're going to want and you go through this whole interview process, I mean, let's face it, with texting, technology, Zooming, or whatever, you can start to work on next while you're working on now. Sure. You're absolutely right. Um, But I'm not sure he's sure. I think he, you know, one thing that Brandon Bean said about him, Uh, is that he wants the answers to the test before he walks into the classroom. So I think he wants to be sure he's sure, but um, there is a risk when, you know, you start to interview a lot of folks, the guy you want may get away unless they know. I mean, listen, I don't think anybody wants to be put on hold just to be told, "Ah, I'm going to go in a different direction. You know what I mean? Um, if he says, hold off, I just want to interview a few guys, but you're my guy. That's that. But if it's, I'm not sure yet. And he wants to be sure he's sure. And there are some, there are some very qualified candidates. Um, and you do need a coach that has a vision for your team, not just one that you're familiar with that has a vision for, uh, what he's currently doing. Will that vision fit within what your new challenge is. That's the other thing. What did you think about the Giants GM hiring process? I thought it was pretty cool with the way they did it. They cast a pretty wide net Mm -hmm. uh, and they certainly brought in a lot of different people from a lot of different organizations. Um, Thorough would be a very appropriate word for it. Yeah. And here's the other thing too. Uh, They didn't go with the traditional thinking, they didn't go with the established thinking. Uh, all of these guys that they were interviewing were relatively young. They were in their forties. Yeah. You know, so uh, they wanted a new uh, thought leader in their um, scouting and in personnel area, which is great because now it breaks all you know, when you, you, you know, there was so much talk about, you know, it's always the same old thing with the Giants and they can never get out of their own way. Well, they got fresh, a fresh set of eyes, a fresh set of ideas um, and a fresh approach. And so there's nothing that says that, well, the Giants are getting in their own way because they brought someone in that clearly did not have ties to the organization, but also he comes in with a fresh perspective. He's a younger uh, gentleman. All right. So Carl, we, the last podcast we did with the biz um, as of that recording, Joe judge was still the head coach of the giants, right? I'm, I'm at the airport on my way out of town and the phone starts buzzing, you know, giants made a move. We both like, we both like coach judge. Uh, in our dealings with them. But when you think about like business, um, this they the Giants had to make this move because, right, like you're talking about they brought in a general manager with fresh ideas. They interviewed a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds mm-hmm. that have come from different places that were groomed in different places and were influenced by different people. Um. <clears throat> I think it would have been really hard 
if you're bringing in a new general manager who has their vision, right? That the, they mm -hmm. talked about the interview process and the the quotes from John Marin, Steve Tisch, you know, collaborative, moving us forward in charge of the entire football operation. How do you really gain that footing if there was somebody already there? I mean, the coach, you, you it would have been hard. It would it would have been very hard if that if you were being true to what you say this direction this new direction would be, it would be virtually impossible, right? Because Joe Judge is a whole different type of guy. He's a guy that didn't even think you needed a general manager. He thought he could do it all. So you bring in a guy who has a fresh set of ideas, it wouldn't have worked. The only way Joe Judge would have been able to stay there is if they would have stayed in-house with someone like a Kevin Abrams or someone who's a, a junior guy who they put in the position and Joe Judge is the guy who's kind of pulling the strings on what he wants. Now, um, I, listen, I am 100% uh, in support of this direction that they're taking the team because uh, we all get prisoner of the moment and we all have our sentiments towards certain things, but sometimes you just rip the Band-Aid off and you start new. I literally just did that in my business in a similar situation. And you just look at it and you say, um, you had ownership of this particular part of my business and you failed to get it done. I can't give you any more resources. I need a fresh set of eyes. I need a fresh set of, of business skills. So we're changing direction. And that, it happens. You know, again, you can like a person a lot. You can like a lot about what they do. But when you're in a results-oriented business, uh, and I get a bigger sample size than 17 games. You know, I get, you know, uh, 12 to 18 months and then some. But this is, um, I think it's the right thing to do. I, I really do. And I'm excited. Um that Joe Shane is there and I'm excited to see what he brings the approach, you know, um, I didn't hear a lot about analytics, but I'm sure it's going to factor in because he's a younger guy, but you know, you give coaches the information they need and then they use it the way they should. And if you, uh, if it's any indication of, 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 of what you see from Sean McDermott and his crew, and even Brian Dable, it doesn't look like they're driven by analytics. They're driven by what's on the ground, what they see. Sure, I'm I mean, sure they use it. Everybody uses it. But So, I mean, it's hard to do a roster autopsy right now because we don't know. We, we, we have to find out who the coaches are, right? I mean, once we find out who the head coach is, who the DC is, who the OC is, the offensive line coach. Once we have an idea of that, then we can kind of figure out like who has a probability of staying, who has a probability of going. But one thing that one thing that um, you had sent me this um, uh, last night of uh, Brandon Bean interview after last year's draft, and uh, you know the one thing that was very refreshing is you know they, they're committed to the philosophy is you got to win up front you got to win up front and and creating 
competition and quality on the offensive and defensive lines is imperative if you want to win in the league. Yeah, and the one thing that Brett that stuck out to me when he was talking about both both lines, he says, "Look, the NFL passing ten years ago is not passing today. There's a lot more passing in the league." He says, "But no matter how it changes, games are won on both lines, both sides of the line of scrimmage. Good offensive line, good defensive line. So um, we know that is going to be a priority. Um, but you know." when you do your game charts, right, you have certain things highlighted that you want to get to. I'm sure Joe Shane, he doesn't know how the autopsy is going to look, but he sees a few things that he's going to have to address fast. That is offensive line, offensive line. That's highlighted, right? Running back contract, right? Um, Will this, will the new coach, value a back who can do a lot of things and not just have to be relied on to um, to run the football? And then is there a value in the guy that you have? Things like that, I'm sure he's highlighting. And then the rest of it is just core stuff. Edge rusher, you know, all that, all yeah. those things that they have to continue to improve upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? Any other thoughts about this? I mean, I, I feel like, you know, until they – like I said, until they hire a head coach, you know, um, it's a little bit of a wait and see to see what direction they're going to go. But I think it's a, I think it was a very refreshing process to watch it all happen. And like, I can't, I can't sit here. Like I, I, I watched some of the stuff on, on social media and in the media of people talking about, you know, I really want this guy. I really want that guy. Like I don't know any of these guys. That's what I said. We don't know what we don't know. And that's why I had uh, a call in to Mookie to see if he could join us, because at least we have somebody that has familiarity with the new general manager. He's lived in that area uh, his whole life. But it's kind of like we have to live vicariously through the proximity of those who worked and because he was the right-hand man of Brandon Dean, I I'm pretty sure he's had a formative influence on how he does, does things, but all the rest of this coach stuff, you know what? We don't know what we don't know. Right. And let's not, let's not fake being experts on it. Right. Um, Hey, what about these games this weekend? Um, you got any, is there any one of them that you're really fired up about? I, I'm, you know what? I am fired up about the Kansas City and Buffalo game. But I, I believe Buffalo is going to beat them. And I'm going to say this, fans, don't be shocked if Kansas City comes in and they look like they had a letdown. Because they just they they scored a lot of points on a bad team. No no shade to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they knew, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh right. said, you know, this is what it is. We're happy to be here. We're gonna hope they make a bunch of mistakes, right? So they, you know, they're playing Sandlot by the end of the game. Everybody gets a, a, a chance to throw or catch a touchdown, right? Buffalo had to actually prepare for a really tough football team, and they took a tough football team and beat the brakes off of them. So if Kansas City is going to come in and they look, they're going to feel really confident, 
I believe it's false bravado. And that, and I, I think the world of the Kansas City Chiefs, but if they come in this thing thinking they got they they can play like they played against Pittsburgh, you're gonna look at what appears to be a letdown because they will not be leveled up to what's gonna happen when they face the Buffalo Bills. They have to be three times better than they were against, I mean, they probably practiced harder against themselves than what Pittsburgh gave them. The other one that I'm intrigued by the Rams. Um, yeah. You know, how do you, how do you pick a Stafford led team over a Brady led team? I mean, you know, are we going to get good Stafford or are we going to get mistake Stafford? But I know this styles make fights, mm-hmm. common phrase used in boxing. The Rams without Stafford in 2020 went down to camp and beat the Bucks. And the Rams beat the Bucks this season. They for they match up for whatever the reason is. They match up pretty well with the Bucks. And without Godwin, and I know the Rams are down safeties, but if these offensive linemen even if they can go, but they're banged up and they're limited, that that's be, the strength of this Rams yeah. team. Yeah. Um, the style makes fight thing, but here's the other thing, too. We've we've seen in boxing rematches and we've seen trilogies, right? And the one thing that we do know that if you get Tampa Bay in a trilogy, it won't be anything like the first two fights because they're going to – the one th- here's here's where I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can have an advantage is if they play the game on their terms. If they make it a boring game, um, and they just you know you can't be you can't take a lot of risk with uh, your defense. You just say, "Hey Stafford, go down and make a bunch of plays, and I bet we get an interception." Because if we give you 10 plays to get to a touchdown, two of those 10 are going to be turnover opportunities. Right. It's just what it is. Max protect, um, get your tight ends involved. Um, if you're Tampa, tight ends out, tight ends block, tight ends leak. Uh, just make it as boring and play the game on your terms and see if the Rams lose interest and give up a big play because they can do that sometimes too. Yep. Tennessee, um, I don't Tennessee, know. Tennessee, Cincinnati is a pick them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. Well, it'd be interesting to see exactly what Henry had, how much they actually use him. Yeah, and the key is to not forget that how you got there was you got there with not having them. Don't forget about the guys that you got you there. Yeah, yeah, and I think you have to put enough pressure on Cincinnati with your run game. Um, they have a quarterback who won't lose the game for him if he if he doesn't have to be put in positions to win it. Um, look, I don't think the stage is going to be too – the lights won't be too bright for Burrow. It won't be too bright for uh, Chase. But I think, you know, I just think this is a pick em. It really is. Then you got the Niners going to Green Bay. Um, I'm excited you know, about that one. Well, the Niners – it's funny because I keep my my Packers followers on Twitter 
when I was doing my serious NFL radio show on Friday, they kept sending me like the weather forecast. I'm like, I got it. You know, all right, it's going to be minus three or whatever. Well, guess what? The Niners are built to play that in that kind of weather. They're not a high flying, high wire act. No, they're a running physical football team. I just think that they, I think they sustained a couple of key injuries last week that may hurt them in this game. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what, the one thing that the 49ers have, they got a mindset, man. They have a, they have a mindset that is not in 2022. They got a 1980s, 1990s mindset. They're just punch you in the mouth. We're going to give you a lot of, a lot of things to look at, but while we're doing all that, we're still punching you in the face. It is not one of those, we're going to finesse you. Everything we do, we're going to challenge your best players to make a play. So whoever up front is their best guy in, in uh, Green Bay, believe me, he's not going to have his best day. They never let your best players have their best day. Look at what they did to, and Michael Parsons made a lot of plays in that game, but they, he had a lot of attention. On him and those defensive line, the rest of the defensive linemen, they didn't impact the game like everybody thought they would. Yeah, I just, I, at the end of the day, I mean, all I can see is Brandon Ayuk on a third and 11 runs this great route. He's wide open. And Jimmy G airmails it? Airmails it. And then late in the game, the only way the Cowboys could possibly have a chance <laughs> is a turnover, you can't, right? And he throws it, he has a terrible yeah. throw. So yeah. that has me worried about it. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. All right, you got anything else to get off your chest here? You got anything else? No, nah, man, this has been good. I know we don't, you know, we don't like just jumping on podcasts to talk about nothing, but I thought, you know, we could give a little insight to our fans and not a lot of guesswork um, or play fantasy, pick a, pick a coach, pick an owner, pick a GM. So I thought this was good. When we have stuff to talk about like this and we can bring somebody on that can give us some insight, I like it. Uh, we'll have more to talk about probably in another week because there's going to be a head coach. And then after that, there's going to be a general manager. And then after that, there's going to be a draft. And we'll find out a lot about the philosophies. Yeah, we're going to get a good feel. Uh, I want to thank Mookie Hawkins for joining us. Carl, what do we tell a friend? Tell a friend to tell, tell a, friend. a friend. So for Carl Banks, I'm Bob Papa. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Believe in Giants. Tell a friend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.